Grace and peace to you from our triune God. Amen. Our lives are filled with expectation. We all have certain things that we expect out of life, maybe a personally fulfilling career that allows us to make a difference in our world while making sure that we can also support our families. Maybe uh, many of us are filled with expectation at some point or another to have a loving family that is cared for and that cares for us in return. Simply put, our lives are marked by moments filled with pregnant expectation. For me, the birth of Callan, my marriage to Courtney, graduation from seminary, commissioning as a provisional elder in the United Methodist Church were all moments like this. They were all marked by this expectation. And they were filled with feelings of fulfillment after they occurred. And I continue to be filled with expectation for the future, for my ordination and to maybe begin a doctor of ministry program in the coming years and watching the person the Callan is becoming. All of these have been and will be moments filled with expectation. For the Jewish people living in Roman-occupied Israel and Palestine, their expectations were obviously a little bit different than ours. Most of us are aware that they were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a Jewish leader to overthrow the Roman, uh, the Roman oppressors and to reinstate the Davidic dynasty. So they expected a warrior Messiah who would sit on the throne of David and reign in justice and righteousness. It's a recurring theme throughout Advent in the season of Christmas tide. And it's in the midst of these longings then that Jesus joins the crowd to be baptized. Luke 3, 15 through 16 tells us this. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the people are clearly filled with expectation. While they certainly had expectations of the Messiah and what the Messiah would be like, they had some more universal expectations as well, I think. They, like us, had expectations of God. They wanted to know that God is near, even when we struggle to sense him. They needed to know that God desired and still desires to be in relationship with us, no matter how we screwed things up or how many times we've fallen short. They needed to know that God wouldn't abandon us. We, too, are filled with expectation, anticipating God's redemptive work in us through Jesus Christ. It is kind of odd, though, that Jesus' baptism is kind of glossed over itself in our passage from Luke today. 
Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized. That's all we get. That incomplete sentence is all we get about the baptism of Christ. Matthew and Mark devote considerably more time to Jesus' baptism. They go into more detail of the event itself. So what gives? Luke doesn't appear to be stressing the same thing that the other evangelists are. He almost minimizes John the Baptist in the story altogether. One verse before Jesus tells us about uh, Jesus' baptism Luke tells us that Herod imprisoned John so that, so what was John's actual role in Jesus' baptism anyways? What Luke stresses instead is Christ's joining with humanity. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized, there isn't a special set-apart time for, or event for Jesus to be baptized. Jesus simply joins the crowd of people who had gone to John to repent and be baptized, to be ritually cleansed. Jesus didn't need to be cleansed of sin. He was, is, and will forever be the sinless one. But we, what we see throughout the Gospels is that Jesus always joined himself to those who were hurting, the poor, the sick, the ones who are hurting sinners of various kinds. Ultimately, Luke shows us that Jesus joined himself to all of us. We're all hurting in some way. We've all fallen short in some way. But Luke also doesn't stop there, does he? That incomplete sentence from Luke that I've been repeating continues. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. At this critical juncture, the moment in the Gospels between Jesus' childhood and his adult ministry, Jesus prays. Everything Christ ever did was absolutely bathed in prayer. We might even say that it was baptized in prayer. It's in the moment that Jesus is in prayer that the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove in bodily form. As Christians, as United Methodists, we believe that our baptism is of water and the Spirit. And I'm not suggesting something other than that here. But with Luke, we see the power of prayer to God as a result of our baptism. The Holy Spirit breaks into our world in a powerful, very real way. The Holy Spirit breaks into our lives our bodies, and sets up home there. And we tend to the Spirit through prayer and devotion. Some of the most Spirit-filled people I've known are fairly obvious. There's pastors like Jim Humphrey, Steve Bailey, Lisa Arrington, Valerie Bridgman, Robin Knowles-Wallace, and Diane Labodi. People who have 
minister to me, whether they're pastors in the local church, district superintendents, faculty members at seminary. These people were spirit-filled people. And then there's spiritual directors and those who are uh, involved in spiritual formation, like my spiritual director, Harry Finkbone, and uh, the uh, spiritual formation uh, person at the annual conference level, Howard Humphreys. But others are more unassuming. People like my confirmation teacher, Janice Yeager, the ushers I sat with as a child when I served as an acolyte at New Philly First, laity who were committed servants of God. They were called just like each of us is called. And they responded. I don't have any doubts at all about any of these folks' prayer lives. You can sense the peace of the Spirit in some people. And I think that that only comes about through a vibrant, overflowing prayer life. Now, I know there are saints here that all of you can name and that we could add to the list of those that I've already named. We can all be like those people, filled with the Spirit, just as we're filled with the expectation for what God can and do, will do in our lives. We'll remember our baptisms here in a, a moment, and I encourage you to pray deeply before, during, and after that part of our service today. Remember the grace poured out for all of us by water and the Spirit. And as we move to the communion table, we can remember the grace poured out for us through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Be filled. We should be giddy with anticipation of what God can and will do. And we should drink deeply and be filled with the spirit that God has given us of his abundant, all-sufficient grace. Amen. Amen.